We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. You've got Alex Hurst and True Faith, sometimes podcast contributor, but regular right down the True Faith website and in print in the fanzine. Uh, Yusuf Hatam is here with us today to talk about uh, a day that may not go down in history in Newcastle United's you know modern history, but it certainly has, has caused a bit of a well. It's caused a lot of interest on social media, a lot of interest from Newcastle United fans, and that is day one of the um, what is known as the cat hearing, uh, the Premier League versus Mike Ashley. Uh, and Yusuf is going to tell us all about it, what it what it is, what's happened, and what he thinks about it moving forward. Uh, Yusuf, of course, has provided um, invaluable insight from uh, a legal perspective um, and something he... His professional background allows him to examine in terms of the Newcastle United takeover. Uh, no one at True Faith professes to know what's going on or what will happen. Um, we're just the same as everyone else, trying to make sense of a mad situation. But at least Yusuf gives us a little bit, a little bit more insight than the likes of myself and others. So Yusuf, first of all, mate, how are you doing? You okay, mate? Good to have you. Yeah, very, very well. Glad to be on. Good, pleased to have you, mate. Um, go on then. Do you want to kick us off, pal? Uh, First of all, for those who might not have been following social media, who might think, what the fuck's all this? Uh, wh- wh- what has been, in the simplest possible terms, what has been going on today? Who who, who are the people in court and why are they in court and what are they arguing over? Thank you. So today was the hearing of the Premier League's application to have the anti-competition case brought by Mike Ashley's company, St. James's Holdings, against the Premier League, dismissed at an early stage, or alternatively, stayed, which means put on hold, on the basis of a lack of jurisdiction, which means essentially a lack of right to hear the case or hear the case at this point in time. In in essence, the Premier League was looking to argue that the case should be thrown out or put on hold, and um, the barrister for... Mike Ashley's company, St. James's Holdings, arguing the opposite and that the CAT case should proceed. Very interesting. Just just then for, again, for listeners, what is the CAT case? What 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 is this? So the CAT case, um, and perhaps it would help if I kind of distinguished it from the arbitration. So the arbitration is um, brought by Newcastle United, the club, against the Premier League, and that's looking at the question of whether the Premier League approached things correctly last year, whether the Premier League approached the question of separation between the Saudi states and the public investment fund in the right way, and whether they came to a reasonable view. The anti-competition case relates to the same sort of background, the same decision of the Premier League, but this is brought by essentially the party that would have received the money if the takeover had gone ahead. So that's essentially the company that owns the shares in Newcastle United. It's Mike Ashley's company that ultimately owns Newcastle United. And they're claiming that they have basically lost out. They've been deprived of the proceeds, the benefit of the sale, by reason of the way the Premier League approached things last year. 
and they're not just and in that case the question is not just whether the premier league got the decision right or wrong it's actually whether the premier league acted in breach of competition law thanks for that that's very interesting and how people might be thinking or listening to this and thinking all right well I, you know I, I knew about arbitration uh, I knew that was a big thing what why has Ashley got two court cases running concurrently with the Premier League there are there are different views on that um, um I'll, I'll come on to that in in some detail I mean that there are some who feel that actually the two go together and the reason for the anti-competition case is to apply some kind of pressure to open up another front, which actually might make it more likely the arbitration goes in our favor and the takeover goes ahead. The other view, which is one that personally I subscribe to more, is that actually the anti-competition case is much more to do with Mike Ashley getting some compensation for himself in the event that the takeover doesn't go ahead. So that there are different views and to some extent it's, it's speculation. I mean, my guess is is worth no more than anybody else's. I have a legal background, but I don't have any sort of confidential information. I don't have any access to any discussions or any evidence that anybody else doesn't have. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but really the question that was being looked at today was, are these cases actually to run concurrently? Should they be permitted to do so? Thank you for that. Um, why don't you take us away then with your assessment of the day's play? Sure. So if I just start at a headline level, um, I think today was a good day for fans. For those of us who want the takeover, and I am one of those fans who wants the takeover, we now know more about the status of the arbitration and therefore the potential status of our takeover. Despite the fact that, as discussed, today was hearing in the cat case um there were some comments made in passing and they were made publicly so they can be repeated which give us a sense of the direction of travel on the arbitration so there are four things that i think are cause for comfort the first thing is we were given clarity on the the current date for the arbitration until today the best information we had was that it would be sometime in early 2022 we found out within the first couple of minutes of today's proceedings that it's going to start on the 3rd of January. So unless you want it to start with everyone with the New Year's Eve hangover, it can't really start much earlier than that. And that, that's got to be good news. Wherever people stand on the takeover, the current situation is, is purgatory. And I think we all want to see a resolution to this one way or the other sooner rather than later. So that's good news. Secondly, um, there was a comment that it's going to last approximately a week and that there's an intention for the outcome to be reached rapidly. So that's a positive as well, because sometimes arbitration awards, called awards, not judgments in arbitration, can take quite a long time to be reached even following the hearing. So that's good news as well. Thirdly, um, the Premier League's barrister, uh, Adam Lewis QC, um, made a comment at one point. Um, it was in the context of an argument he was trying to make. Um, uh, but nonetheless, the comment, I think, was, was, was helpful for our purposes. He basically said that one of the reasons why the CAT case should not be allowed to proceed is that if the arbitration goes in the club's favour, then the takeover should proceed and there's no need for the CAT. Now, the comment that the takeover should proceed if the arbitration goes in our favour, um, although he doesn't know where our buyers are at, doesn't know whether the deal is still on the table, and of course... PIF would still need to pass the Premier League's tests, even if we win the arbitration. What he said hopefully could be seen as an indication that in the event that the arbitration does go in our favour, there shouldn't be any funny business with the Premier League's application of the test this time round. I'd like to think that they won't maybe play hardball as much as they did first time round. And that was their own barrister who, who made that comment. So I think that's quite useful. And, and fourthly and finally, in relation to the separation question, although this has always been the position, it was mentioned today that the real question the arbitration is looking at is separation as a question of fact. Will the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia play an active role in the running of Newcastle United? Now, we can all look at online information about the relationship between the Public Investment Fund and the Saudis. 
we can all have views on whether we think they're the same or whether they're different. But the reality is, it is in our buyer's power to demonstrate that the way that Newcastle United will be run post-acquisition. And, you know, if they want to show that there will be separation, then they are capable of doing so. So knowing that we will have a degree of control over the evidence that we can produce at the arbitration and hopefully um, the power to hopefully make that evidence look, look good for us um, is, is, is positive. So these are all good things. And although I have my personal misgivings about the anti-competition case and really what it's directly got to do with the takeover, and, and I'll come on to that in, in a bit more detail later on in this podcast after summarising the arguments that were heard today. It's also fair to say that if it was not for the CAT case, we wouldn't have the clarity that I've just set out in relation to the arbitration. This information is now publicly known because the CAT case was held in public and was made available via a live stream. And actually during COVID and the lockdown, one of the positive developments, it's been a very sad time in many other ways, but one of the positive developments has been actually court hearings are far more available to the public by virtual live stream. And I think it's great that so many fans watched the stream, engaged in relation to it on social media, and that's just got to be a good thing. So all in all, today was a good day in takeover world, and uh, we haven't had uh, too many of those. Fair enough. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people categorise today as 1-0 in Newcastle. Do you, think that, do you think that's fair enough? Or, I suppose, the counter-argument, which I haven't seen much of, but I'm just trying to think of a counter-argument. Ultimately, we've seen some blokes get up and make their arguments. Um, no decisions have been made. We don't even know if this cat case is going to go ahead. Yes, while you're right, there's a lot of clarity about stuff that we didn't know about but ultimately that's just fans knowing about stuff that was going to happen anyway yeah. is that are, are, are we at where we were at 9am this morning in my view yes because as mentioned so far as the takeover is concerned and i'm pro takeover you're pro takeover um i know a lot of fans the majority are pro takeover as well the cat case to my mind is, is not relevant to the question of whether the takeover is going to go ahead or not therefore whatever happened today it doesn't actually turn the dial one way or the other. But what we do know is that more that clarity about the arbitration. And in a nutshell, in a little over three months, the one thing that can actually unlock this takeover, the arbitration, is going to happen. Now, I know it doesn't attract as much interest as the CAT claim, and there's a number of reasons for that. Number one, the CAT claim is in public. There's some understandable and legitimate frustration that the arbitration is private and that we don't have full visibility of what's going on. It matters a lot to us as fans and Mick Martin has made the point very clearly that it's very frustrating and not desirable that, that we're kept out of the process. With my lawyer's hat on, I do have to say that there is a legitimate interest in keeping it confidential, but that doesn't mean that the frustration is not understandable and, 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 and genuine. Uh, the transparency protest for fans has, has made the point loudly and I completely understand why people take an interest in CAT. But, I mean, let's cut the crap, right? We don't want transparency. We want the takeover. <laughs> you know, the, the transparency is a fig leaf. It, transparency is all well and good and is a noble cause. But let's be honest and upfront. You know, if we were to find out tomorrow the takeover was going ahead and nobody told us the reasons why, I think most of the fan base would actually be quite pleased by that. So <laughs> it, 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 we want the takeover. Today was a good day for the takeover. I'm very happy to kind of summarise what what actually happened in the hearing today um, for those who take an interest in the CAT case. But, you know, for what it's worth, that is my view on the CAT case overall. Go on then, mate. Let's summarise away. OK. So, um, and, and look, a lot of this stuff is is interesting. And I see no reason why fans shouldn't engage with this stuff and take an interest in it. And I find this stuff interesting, even though... Uh, I have my misgivings about its connection with the takeover. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There were three main arguments today that the Premier League made um, in relation to why the Cats should not have jurisdiction. I'll take each of them in turn and set out, you know, what the what the St. James's Holdings position was in response to those. And also, I mean, genuinely, generally rather, I, I don't like to speculate too much in relation to the likely outcome, but, you know, the people are listening. So I think I owe people some some view, even if it turns out to be wrong. So the, the first argument um, was in relation to abuse of process. And you mentioned um, concurrent cases. And the point that's been made by the Premier League is you can't basically have two bites at the same cherry. You can't do the same thing twice. The arbitration's already there. It's already looking at the decision of the Premier League last year. And you can't just have the cat look at the same thing. And the point that was made by the Premier League's barrister, and, and I think was made quite forcefully, actually, and quite strongly, and I tend to agree with this view, is the outcome of the arbitration, regardless of which way it goes, will make the cat irrelevant to the takeover. Because if the arbitration goes in Newcastle United's favour, the takeover is back on. Therefore, there's no grievance to be aired before the Competition Appeals Tribunal. If the arbitration goes against Newcastle United, then it's not possible realistically to win the CAT claim. It's not possible realistically for St. James's Holdings to win the CAT claim. Because in the CAT claim, they need to prove two things. Firstly, that the Premier League got the decision wrong. And secondly, that they acted anti-competitively. If the arbitration's already found that the Premier League didn't get the decision wrong, then the question of whether the Premier League were, you know, acting in an anti-competitive, collusive way with the big six or Qatar or whoever else isn't going to impact the outcome of the CAT case. So either way, on that view, CAT is irrelevant when the arbitration is already going to basically prejudge it and the arbitration comes first. And now that we know the arbitration is going to be in January, the arbitration comes first by a long, long way. Now, that was the Premier League's position. The St. James's Holdings position was, okay, yes, there's an overlap in the factual background, but the claimants are different. You've got St. James's Holdings and you've got the club. What's being claimed is different. The club is claiming for, you know, the loss of some investment, the loss of a chance to have new owners. But St. James's Holdings is actually claiming for the loss of the sale itself, the proceeds of sale, the 300 million quid. You, you can't therefore say it's just the same thing. And some other points were made as well. Um, I don't want to set any sort of alarm, but the Premier League's QC, sorry, St. James's Holdings QC also said, it's not known for certain that the arbitration will happen in January, and it's not known for certain whether the deal is still on the table. Now, those things were said in order to make the point that the arbitration isn't necessarily going to resolve everything and make the takeover go ahead, okay? So there is still a need for the CAC claim. So the Premier League and the St. James's Holdings Barristers have made those points. Now, as I've said, I tended to agree with what the um, Premier League's barristers view was. Um, but before I kind of get shot down for that, um, I think that St. James's Holdings barrister did enough to sow a little seed of doubt in the judge's mind. The arguments were plausible. The arguments were fair and the arguments, you know, they weren't sort of doomed to fail. And indeed, the point was made that the CAC claim is really about actually getting its compensation. Now, in an application like this, which I'll come on to after having looked at the other two arguments, 
having slightly the better of the arguments isn't going to be enough for the Premier League to win this application because of its nature. But I'll, I'll come on to that after looking at the other two arguments. So the second main argument related to an arbitration agreement. Now, here I'm talking about a different arbitration again. Um, the point was made by the Premier League that under the FA's rules, that's the FA, not the Premier League, um, if Ashley, via St James's Holdings, wanted to bring an anti-competition claim against the Premier League, then this should have been done in a separate arbitration. So we're not talking about the main arbitration now, a separate one, rather than before the cat. And this was alleged to be the case because of FA Rule K. Now, this is in the FA's rule book, not the Premier League's rule book, but the Football Association is the governing body for football in England. So they do have some relevance here. Now, the view in FA Rule K, as interpreted by the Premier League's barrister, was that essentially all football-related disputes between participants, and there was a lot of discussion about what that definition meant, and it, it went into a lot of detail, um, all football-related disputes between participants need to be arbitrated. And because St. James's Holdings is the owner of a company that owns a football club, they are a participant, or alternatively a director of participants, and therefore they need to subject their disputes with the Premier League, which is also obviously involved in the football industry, to arbitration, not the cat. The Premier League took that view. The view from St. James's Holdings was, no, we never signed up to this. St. James's Holdings is not a director or a participant in a footballing sense. The Football Association is to do with the governance of football. St. James's Holdings is just a corporate vehicle. It's just a company in Ashley's overall company structure. He has a company structure to do whatever company structures do. And St. James's Holdings has never engaged with the Premier League, has never engaged with the FA in any meaningful sense, doesn't actually have any active role in football at all, other than ultimately having an ownership interest in a football club. So the view there is that FA's Rule K does not apply, and therefore St. James's Holdings was completely free to start proceedings in the Competitions Appeals Tribunal. Now, in this argument, I think they're quite finely balanced, and I actually think personally that, um, and this is without having seen the papers, there were a lot of points during today's hearing where the, the lawyers and the judge were talking about pieces of paper and page references that they'd seen and nobody else watching the stream had seen. So that's obviously <laughs> a little bit frustrating, but I thought the arguments made by uh, St. James's Holdings team was, was, was made persuasively. Um, and again, uh, he managed to score some points and make some coherent arguments. Again, enough to sow a seed of doubt in the judge's mind that he should really take the side of the Premier League here. And the third and final um, point, uh, which was argued today by the Premier League, was that the Competition Appeals Tribunal should only exercise its jurisdiction, in other words, should only hear a case where the claimant is pointing to having actually suffered a loss. And here, the Premier League took the view that actually St. James's Holdings hasn't lost anything because the takeover hasn't been, hasn't gone away. The regulatory process of approving the owners and directors is still ongoing, so nothing's been lost. Now, the view that was taken in response to that by St. James's Holdings was, of course, something's been lost. We've lost a load of time. And I actually found that to be quite persuasive. I don't think that the Premier League's uh, QC, Adam Lewis, dealt with that issue particularly well when the judge actually pulled him up on it. So in relation to all of these three arguments, I think that um, the QC for um, St. James's Holdings made arguments which sowed a seed of doubt in the judge's mind. Um, and given the, um, the difficulty, the inherent difficulty in um, the Premier League actually winning this application, I'll come on to in a moment. Um, I personally would question whether the Premier League have done enough. Now, 
judges and lawyers basically have the starting point that, and our law has the starting point that everyone's entitled to his or her day in court, even Mike Ashley. And the general rule is that if a case is started, then it should be allowed to go all the way to trial. And that principle is very precious, and we have, you know, a strong belief in the rule of law in this country. Now, if the Premier League wins this application, and applications of this nature do get made and do get determined either way, but if the Premier League wins, that would be an exception to that basic principle, um, which is very precious. So for that reason, when judges are in a little bit of doubt and they're not too sure whose view they prefer, prefer um, it's difficult for these applications to succeed. So even though I think that the Premier League might have had slightly the better of some of the arguments today, particularly in relation to the, the first argument I went through, I don't think that will be quite enough. So my personal view, and it's, again, not having seen the papers, and there were certain points today that I didn't catch every part of the stream, is that I would doubt that the Premier League's application will succeed, and I would doubt that the claim is going to be thrown out. The claim might potentially be put on hold, at least pending the outcome of the arbitration, because the arbitration is so close. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if the view was taken by the CAT that it should just proceed. Very interesting, mate. Thanks for that. I followed that very clearly, and it's very ha uh, handy to have things laid out in such a transparent manner, as it were. <laughs> There's a th I was just about to type in there before you finished. I was going to put it on screen, but I'll just read it to you, mate. One of the, you know, I think it's for me who hasn't followed it all day. And obviously, I've had the good fortune of being in a WhatsApp group with, group with you and a couple of others to, to kind of give a bit of commentary. Um, but, you know, if I look at the, the media coverage of this tonight and Sky Sports coverage, the Telegraph's coverage, the big thing that a lot of them are focusing on is probably not all of the things you've said there, though I'll give those lads some credit and they might not have the, the background and the knowledge that you have, which is not a slight on them at all. The head, the headline thing from today, mate, is um, Daniel Jowell, QC, acting for Ashley's St. James's Holding Limited, told the hearing, notwithstanding its threats, the Premier League hasn't carried through its threat to stop the club from participating in the competition now that that's the headline figure that's what the media are leading with it's kind of like rather than the i wouldn't call it boring because it's not boring but you know the you've explained the different arguments now the judge has to go away and consider those arguments do you, what do you what do you make of that comment and and i'll tell you before you answer my and you know it, it's a very shocking thing to hear obviously the premier league i don't think have had the chance to respond to that but maybe they have and you can tell us um you know, it's a shocking thing to say the club would be expelled from the competition. Do you think it's just been thrown in there as a little hand grenade uh, to kind of humiliate or put pressure? I mean, this takeover has been full of pressure, hasn't it, from either side, mm. allegedly? Put pressure on the Premier League. Or do you think, no, this is this is the kind of thing that which you would expect to hear in this kind of case? The club being expelled from the Premier League seems fanciful, but I think we're beyond yeah. uh, being surprised by this stuff by now in this takeover saga. I, th I think we are. I mean, look, at, at the risk of disappointing everyone and sounding like Arsene Wenger, I didn't see that part of the hearing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had to go off and do do some of the day job and I didn't, I didn't, I genuinely didn't hear that reference. So it sounds like a weird thing to say that I'm not asked because this is obviously very serious if, 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 you know, if it's not being taken out of context. But three months from now, we are going to have the hearing we've been waiting for for a long time, and the outcome might be the one that the overwhelming majority of us want. I'm not too interested in delving into the past and worrying about any agendas that the Premier League might have against us or might have had against us or one of our members of the consortium. Three months from now, we get the chance that we want to get the future for the club that most of us want. And I really don't think we should allow ourselves to be sidetracked or... Even if it's something scandalous, even if it's something shocking, let's keep our eyes on the prize. So that's what you might expect me to say when I didn't actually hear the <laughs> yeah. hear the offending statement. But I, I, I still think it's true that we should focus on the future, not the past. 
that's very interesting and <laughs> i agree with you and we're going to talk about the future in a second but you know just to continue what the qc said you know he also accused premier league chief executive richard masters of having been improperly improperly influenced in reaching a decision that effectively blocked the takeover and just to kind of Again, I'm sure people have heard this, but my understanding is having had the good fortune to speak to both Amanda Staley and being in the room when Richard Masters was speaking to the Trust, the Premier League would say that they didn't block the takeover. PIF walked away after refusing the option of going to arbitration themselves. And I think I think the Premier League argued it was May or June 2020 that was that was first floated to them. PIF obviously have a, a different view of that, I assume. Um, and then, you know, Richard Masters would also therefore say they haven't blocked anything as far as they were concerned. The takeover was still ongoing if the PIF returned to the table. Now, obviously, events since then have seen Newcastle United take up the option of the arbitration and also start this this cat case. Um, so the, prem- the the QC raising that point here. Do you think there's anything useful? I'm going a long way about asking this question. Do you think that? and I'm going to give you some more examples in a second, this idea of pressure and this idea of we're going to run the cat case to support the arbitration. I know you've said that you view this very much as a Mike Ashley money-making exercise. The fact that the QC for St. James's Holdings has talked about blocking the takeover, he's talked about the lobbying of BN Sports, he's talked about um, the influence of other Premier League clubs at the top of the Premier League, and I'll read his quote to you in case you missed it. Uh, a number of major clubs that control or strongly influence the Premier League also joined the lobbying against the deal. Mr. Masters held more than one direct meeting with BN at this time. We say this lobbying distorted the Premier League's fair and objective application of the rules. The result of all of this is PIF pulled out of the takeover. This is like a greatest hits of the last 18 months, isn't yeah. it? It's every major yeah. accusation in court, in public, Whilst the yeah. Premier League don't have the chance to come back at all of this stuff, because yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Premier League made their argument, and then there was an argument by yeah. the St James's Holdings. But do, do you would would you say that all of this stuff? Because all of this stuff, I assume, would be relevant to a cat case if it did go ahead. This would yes. actually get played out. What, what do you what do you make of all of those comments there from from Ashley's QC? It, it's it's very interesting. Now, in terms of those comments um, and why they were made today. Now, the nature of the allegations and the kind of things that BN Sports and Richard Masters and the Big Six and etc. and and other clubs apparently were mentioned today are alleged to have done. We've known for some time that that's the position that's being adopted by Ashley in this case. What happened today was things that we knew were being said in writing and that we knew were being adopted as the basis for the claim were just ventilated in open court. And these were just allegations that were being made. The judge obviously is not giving a view. This is not looking at the merits of those allegations. The reason why these points had to be mentioned today is to draw a distinction between, you know, the arbitration, which is primarily looking at separation and looking at control. It In order for the... Uh, for Ashley and St. James's Holdings to argue, as they needed to do today, no, the arbitration and the CAT case are different. They do have to list out the greatest hits of the CAT case and point to all of these things that the CAT case is going to focus on as being reasons why the CAT case should be allowed to proceed because the arbitration is not going to look at them in the same depth. So that's why the points were raised. Um, But I do want to just use this opportunity to kind of go to why I don't personally think and this is a personal opinion, okay? I don't want anyone to be offended by not agreeing with the opinion. It's totally fine not to do so. Why I don't think that the CAT case has anything to do with applying pressure of the nature that's suggested. Now, the suggestion is that the CAT case and the, the nature of the allegations that are being made, some of which you've gone through there, will uncover some kind of damning evidence that the Premier League do not want to see the light of day that the Premier League is sufficiently worried about that, that essentially that worry will make it more likely that the arbitration is won and or the takeover goes ahead. Yeah, that's that's the theory. 
Now, there are a number of reasons why I don't think that really holds up, personally. Number one is you can't simply, as a rule of court, you cannot simply get a hold of evidence in case A and just pass it on to the legal team for use in case B. That's just not, that's not cricket. It's not, it's not how it works. Now, of course, people cannot unsee what they have seen. And the Premier League might be sufficiently concerned about being revealed to be anti-competitive that they might be prepared to take a different approach towards the arbitration. So the fact that you can't just get documents in one case and, you know, hand them over to the lawyers for another. Yes, that's correct, but it's not the whole answer. But I still think it's worth being aware of that basic rule. Secondly, the assumption underlying this argument that the CAT case is all about pressure assumes that the evidence is actually going to be different. Now, in the arbitration, we don't know what orders have been made, what rulings have been made by the arbitrators in relation to what needs to be disclosed and the extent of that and the extent of the searches that have to be done and whose computer needs to be trolled through. Actually, one of the periods today where the live stream went off and things went into private was precisely to discuss the orders that have been made in relation to disclosing the arbitration. But to my mind, because the arbitration is looking at the decision that the Premier League reached last year and whether that decision was reached reasonably, if the Premier League engaged in the kind of conduct that you've just listed there, I would have thought, although I don't know this for sure because I don't know what orders have been made in the arbitration, I would have thought that the club has pushed for precisely that kind of disclosure to be made in the arbitration itself. Now, you may say, well, that's different because there's no risk of sort of public scandal in the arbitration. But I'm interested in the takeover. I'm not interested in Richard Masters' head on a spike. I want the takeover because I want a successful Newcastle United. So, yes, the cat case might move Richard, Richard Masters' head on a spike a bit closer, but does it move the takeover closer? Not to my mind. And this idea that the Premier League is scared and is really worried that something might see the light of day, I think there are two things that we just need to have in mind there. Firstly, I'm not saying that the Premier League has not engaged in anti-competitive conduct. I don't know the answer to that question. And it would be a, it would be a breach of his professional conduct if the lawyer working for um, St. James's Holdings on this case hadn't been assured that there was a plausible case to argue here. So it has to be possible that the Premier League has engaged in something that, that falls within um, anti-competitive conduct. That said, the claims would amount to something scandalous. And I think we should be very careful before assuming a scandal has taken place. If you assume scandals take place, they're not scandals. By definition, they're not scandals. They're not shocking. Okay, So there's nothing to run from. And if, if the view is that the Premier League is so shameless and so corrupt that it would do this kind of a thing, then why do we think they care about it being public? I think most people, most fans of Newcastle and other clubs have already made their mind up about the Premier League and whether it's fit for purpose by, way of, by reason of the way that they've treated the big six, by way of you know the way they conduct football governance in this country and the way that, frankly, there are lots of owners and directors who I don't think are fit and proper even now. So I think most of the football community has probably made its mind up about the Premier League, and I don't think they, they have that much shame. So I'm not sure the risk of shaming them more is, is a massive thing that's going to drive this. Um, but the biggest reason here why I personally don't think that the CAT case is something that is being used to apply pressure in the context of the arbitration and the takeover relates to timing. Disclosure in the CAT case, which is supposedly the point at which we would get possession of some of this damning material, is going to be spring 2022 at the earliest. The next step, if the Premier League fails in its application, is that the Premier League will have to file a defence. That will take a while. Then uh, Ashley's legal team can work on a reply. That will probably take us up till Christmas. And then there'll be what's known as a case management conference. There was some reference to that during the live streamed hearing today, which will probably be in early 2022 and will then set out a timetable and the next step would be disclosure. So it's not going to be any earlier than the spring. And the trial is actually the point at which disclosed documents go public. 
It's not the point of disclosure. Disclosure would just be the point at which the Premier League has to hand documents over to Ashley's legal team. There's no public scandal at that point. You can't go public until it's in open court. And realistically, I think if if this <laughs> the last 18 months shows us anything that you, you can't reliably predict the date of a hearing, but it's not going to be before summer and possibly not even before autumn 2022, a trial in the cat. Now, let's remember that everybody was ready for day one of the arbitration in July 2021. That's over a year before the, the cat is going to be ready to rock and roll. Even on the new date for the arbitration, it's going to be at least six or seven months before the cat case is ready to rock and roll at trial. Now, I get the point that the threat of being exposed down the line can be part of a strategy, but that threat's pretty weak if it's not imminent. Now, threatening the Premier League with, oh, well, you know, something might come out, something might come out in the wash a year away. That's not a very strong threat. That's not really going to give you that much leverage to my mind. Now, if Ashley had wanted the cat case to be used as some kind of power play to drive, you know, towards a resolution of the arbitration in our favor, it was open to him to start the cat first. It was open to him to start the cat much sooner than he did and to start them around the same time. He didn't do that. Okay. He didn't do it. So, there are a number of people now, and, and it's totally fine to do this, trying to assume that the cat case is some part of a master plan of Ashley's. But let's get back to basics. He chose to do it in this order. He controls the club and he controls St. James's Holdings, and he did it this way. He could have sequenced it differently, but he didn't. Now, that's my view on the cat claim, and I'm sorry if a lot of people don't agree with that, and, and but that, that remains my view, and I respect those who, who disagree with it. But I just want to bring this back to the start, and then, you know, we can have some more sort of back and forth on any, any thoughts. But to be clear, I want the takeover. You know, I want it as soon as possible. Um, all of the hullabaloo about cartels, and being sports, and Richard Masters, and Qatar, and the big six, and transparency, and paper aeroplanes, and disclosure, and the cat, and how corrupt is the Prem, and isn't Gary Hoffman a piece of shit, and boycotts, and disruption. This is all noise, okay? This is interesting, it's juicy, and I understand why people take an interest in it. And frankly, because the arbitration is in private, the cat is the only thing we can actually follow, blow by blow. But the arbitration is what's happening soon. The arbitration is where the action is. It's always been where the action is. It's quite boring. It's quite technical. And it's being held in private, which is all very frustrating. But it's happening in a little over three months. And that that really is the, the that's the reason why today was such a good day in Takeover World. We know a lot more than we did earlier. And, you know, I think we should be really pleased about that. Those who who want a takeover. And there are some fans who don't want one. I'm not one of those, but even the fans who don't want to take over, I think it's good news that we're going to get some clarity on the arbitration sooner than we thought. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've been incredibly thorough and knowledgeable, and I've really enjoyed that on the cat case. So thank you for that, mate. Um, and I know uh, not wanting to assume too much here, but you've been very, you know, um, open to having those discussions on social media when people have got in touch. You've produced numerous things for true faith in this. So I'm sure that there's more to come, um, particularly if, like you say, the judgment does come back 
what and I think about a week's time, I think people are predicting that the judge will or within a week the judge will rule on whether this this cat case will get to be heard. Is that accurate about a week? Is what fans can expect? Um again I missed that part of the stream. Yeah, but, well, um, it was it was about a week, yeah. yeah. Um but I would really like to finish the show by just touching on arbitration really quickly. And I and I want to say this in a message to you earlier today actually about this and when we kind of discussed doing this podcast is there's a lot of bullshit out there. And whether it's um, intentional or unintentional, it's like it's almost become this separate little industry, if that's the right word, in the media anyway, about what actually happened in the takeover and what needs to happen moving forward for the takeover to get approved, like you say, or get through, or be once and for all denied and and the people who are against the takeover, people who are sick of it, who just want some clarity and want to get back to Hammer and Ashley. Um, I'm just going to read you some stuff. This this frustrates me a little bit, and I'll talk about why in a sec, but I'm going to read you some direct quotes from Amanda Staveley on this um, from July 2020 in a chat with George Culkin of The Athletic. Okay. So I'm going to read these to you, mate, and then come back to you with a question. So Amanda said to George, the Premier League wanted the country, Saudi Arabia, to become a director of the football club. That's what it is all about. They were effectively saying PIF wouldn't be the ultimate beneficial owner. We believe it's actually the government. Therefore, we want the country to become a director, which puts them in an impossible situation. And I think that's a really key line, which puts them in an impossible situation. Going on with Amanda's quotes, they feel they weren't wanted by the Premier League. I hope fans realise what's happened, that this is a lot more complicated than it might seem. I want them to understand the whole thing about the directorship, that it would be impossible for the state to become a director. The Premier League made it so hard. It would be unprecedented. No country has ever become a director of a football club. It's ridiculous. They were saying you know what, we won't reject you, but we won't approve you either, so we'll just sit here for month after month. They could have told us all this before we exchanged. And she goes on. But I thought I'd look up those quotes. I'm in a fortunate position to have had a couple of conversations with her about it uh, when we engaged the trust and its membership to try and lobby MPs to get in front of Richard Masters. We did manage to do that. I have some... um, quite risible stuff put to me on social media and so do other members of the trust that we went and spoke to Richard Masters and didn't ask him anything about the takeover which is just like I can't even just deal with that it's, it's such a it's such a fantasy and uh, Thomas Concannon who 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 did unbelievably well I think in that meeting with Richard Masters got the weight of the fan base on his shoulders he put to Richard Masters did Liverpool and Tottenham try and influence this takeover did be in sports, try and influence this takeover. He, he asked those questions, which I think are questions that, you know, like you said, it's the juicy stuff. It's the thing fans want to know. We thought Richard Masters in that meeting would say, I'm not answering that. Who do you think I am? And he said, no, it is absolutely untrue to suggest that any of those, he loves the word entity, Masters, any of those <laughs> entities um, even tried to influence the Premier League board on the takeover. Now, we're not here, me and Yusuf, to talk about yeah. uh, meetings between Masters and BN Sports, meetings between BN Sports and the other Premier League clubs. We just don't have that information. I understand that the Premier League are corrupt and all this stuff, and everyone thinks that. That's fine. I'm not even going to get into that. It's absolutely fine if people think that. And hopefully, it'll come out one way or another in the cat case if it goes ahead. Maybe in arbitration, even though it's behind closed doors, we'll ignore that. Yusuf, my question to you. You know, we found out today arbitration when it's going to go ahead. Can can you explain for the listeners what you think is going to happen in this arbitration and how it will determine whether the takeover will proceed or not? Well, I mean, the third just before going to that, um, the point I think just just want to go back to what you were saying about the what the trusted with Richard Masters and he asked the questions and he gave the answers. Um, now I appreciate that some people might not accept those answers. I don't know if I accept those answers, but that's transparency. Okay. People don't, some people don't want transparency. They just want the answers they want. That's not the same thing. All right. Now, if the Premier League is corrupt and if the Premier League has been involved in a conspiracy in the context of the Newcastle United takeover, then I can't disprove that. I can't disprove that. 
you can't disprove that but we live in a world where the onus is on us to prove things not oh well unless you disprove it it must be true so we just have to remember that that's the way that it that's the way round that it is yeah so I, th I just think that's that's worth remembering but in terms of the arbitration how do i think it will go um what is it but can you even before how it'll go what can you explain to people what is being discussed sure yes so what the arbitration is looking at is the question of whether the premier league's decision last year and to be clear that is not the premier league's decision to block the takeover technically that is the premier league's decision that the kingdom of saudi arabia would become a person with control over the club in the event of the takeover and therefore the kingdom of saudi arabia should subject itself to the owners and directors test premier league never made a decision on the takeover itself it made it did come to a view on the position of saudi arabia the 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 arbitration is looking at the question of whether that view was reasonable now the evidence that's going to be heard before the arbitration is well essentially the club is going to be trying to demonstrate that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would not be a person with control of Newcastle United post acquisition and therefore should not be subjected to the owners and directors test. Now that may involve statements from you know Saudis and people involved it may involve expert evidence from you know people working in the industry who have dealings with sovereign wealth funds it's going to involve documents it's going to involve looking at the articles of association of pif which are their governing documents which i believe do set out a role for the state in the way that pif operates so they're going to need to explain that there's going to be evidence in relation to well pif has other investments what role does the state play in PIF's other investments, they have a massive portfolio, leisure, hotels, property. What role does Yasser al-Ramayan, what role does Mohammed bin Salman play? What role does the Saudi princes and the sheikhs play in those investments? How closely do they manage them? Those are exactly the kinds of things that are going to be looked at at the arbitration. And we'll be, ar we'll be um, arguing it one way. The Premier League will be arguing it the other way. Now, the, the big question is actually is whether the Premier League will be arguing it that strongly the other way, whether we'll be pushing at an open door and we're just trying to give the Premier League what they feel they need to wave it through, or whether the Premier League will fight it tooth and nail because they don't want Saudi ownership at all. Now, on that, there is a, there is a, there are a wide range of views and, you know, I really don't want to speculate as to what the position is. Um, there is one view that the Premier League really isn't too sniffy about where money comes from. We have money from, you know, Russian oligarchs, American property tycoons, the Glazers, the in, the Qataris. There's money from all over the place and they're not going to be too fussed about it coming from China, Saudi, Iran or wherever. The other view is that the Premier League is very, very keen to protect its current broadcast partner, the Qataris, and therefore will fight it tooth and nail. So. One thing we do not know at the moment is just how strongly the Premier League will actually fight it in the event that we actually produce, by we I mean the club, actually produce sufficient evidence to mount a credible argument that the Saudi Arabian state would not be a person with control. Now, we are the people who brought the arbitration. The club brought the arbitration. It refused, the, you know, the Premier League's offer of arbitration was refused, but the club brought the arbitration. So the club, the onus is on the club to set forward that case. The club needs to pull together that evidence, needs to work together with the Saudis if they're still interested, if the deal's still on the table, and pull that together and get it done. Because that's what the majority of this fan base want. Very well summarised, mate. And, and just just to repeat use of the word, probably doesn't need repeating because it's explained it so well, but to kind of touch as well on something you've, said a couple of times on this show tonight is that all of the stuff surrounding you know did bn sport send a letter to every to all of the 19 premier league clubs um you know asking them to lobby against this deal did liverpool and spurs lobby directly the premier league board and richard masters and gary hoffman whoever to deny this deal did the premier league deliberately keep the Saudi Arabian PIF 
waiting for months and end to the extent that eventually they had they were forced to pull out because it was at such an impasse um all of that is i is, is kind of immaterial to the to the bigger question of is pif or can it be proved that the public investment fund of saudi arabia are not under the control of the kingdom of saudi arabian royal family or the government or both and ultimately that's something i can't answer yeah. you know i don't have the the knowledge of either just to be just to shock everyone listening and watching <laughs> sure you're the same yusuf i'm sure you'd have a better go at it than me if you were if you had access to the documentation no. from both sides <laughs> but but ultimately for all of the talk of piracy and i get it because piracy in the premier league's product i think you know the premier league had prepared court cases you know against be out I mean, even saying these things again is like a flashback to lockdown and yeah. <laughs> all of this stuff. But in 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 the middle of 2020, but but ultimately, there are all sorts of contributing factors to, to why or why not this thing has or hasn't happened. Like Yusuf has said, January 2020, 2022, 18 months, more than 18 months, 20 months mm. after, maybe even more, 2021 months after the news filtered through that there had been agreement not a, a, on company's house, so not a kind of, um, uh, you know, reported agreement or media speculation, none of there had been an agreement to sell the club, it is going to come down to, is that investment fund controlled by the government? And therefore, could, could Newcastle United be controlled by the government or the royal family of Saudi Arabia? Amanda Staveley, in those quotes that I've just said to you there, talked about the Saudi state becoming a director. An understanding or an argument I've seen made is that it's not the state. It would be someone key in the state, like a Mohammed bin Salman or his father. People reference Manchester City. How can Manchester City be state-owned? I'm no expert, but I believe that they're not state-owned. Whether you think that's true or not, I believe they are wholly owned by a company that is wholly owned by the Sheikh Mansur, um, all of this stuff, we could talk about it for ages and lots of people have mm. talked about it. There are millions of words written on this. Now, it kind of all just comes back to whether PIF can, or whether Newcastle United, sorry, can yeah. prove PIF um, are independent of the Saudi Arabian government in relation to the control of Newcastle United. And the cat case stuff, you know, we've spent the best part of an hour talking about it. Um, your Premier League corruption stuff, your transparency stuff, and I'm fully behind the transparency stuff for a number of reasons. Um, it, it 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 all plays second fiddle to what is going to happen within the space of seven days, possibly, at the start of January. So if you think today's been mad, and I think today's been mad, that you've had like tens of thousands potentially of people watching a live stream of a court case in the middle of a working day when they can, um, it's going to be nothing like the speculation that surrounds January 2022, particularly if Newcastle are still shit, which they probably will be. Yeah, uh, in I mean that—that's—that's that's the elephant in the room here. You know, we can talk till we're blue in the face about. I started sporting Newcastle because I like football. Not, not it—it just so happens that football and law intersect, and I end up doing the true faith stuff. But really, it's a football club, so you know we need to continue. Well, sorry, continues the wrong word. We need to start picking up points. We need to actually ensure that come January or February, or whenever it's actually going to be that we know the outcome of the arbitration, that there's still a club worth purchasing. You know, are we a club that's heading in the right direction? Are the Saudis actually going to be buying a Premier League club or a club that's in the bottom three and has, you know, the transfer windows closing and it's going headlong towards the championship, uh, you know, with no fit strikers? You know, these things do matter. They matter quite a lot because ultimately we're a prestige purchase. There's still prestige associated with the club. And I'm not sure that the deal will still be on the table, particularly for that amount of money in the event that we're not really worth acquiring anymore. So that's why, you know, it all comes back to football at the end of the day and we're a football club. So um, I saw, I made um, a point on um, on Twitter earlier, probably slightly tongue-in-cheek, but not entirely, that actually the most important takeover-related thing happening this week was Wolves away. It wasn't today. It was Wolves away. Because we need to keep the value of that asset going so that that deal is still on the table, you know, come the outcome in the arbitration that the, 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 that we're all hoping for in the new year. 
I think that's a good way to finish it. Yusuf, thanks very much for your time, mate. We really appreciate you coming on. Pleasure. And uh, you will catch myself, Norman, maybe Charlotte, um, with our post-match Wolf podcast. We'll be back probably recording in or staying in Birmingham. So we'll be recording Sunday morning in Birmingham. We'll have the podcast and YouTube channel up. Of course, if you like what we do, if you like what you've heard, join us on Patreon, £5.50 a month for 20 to 30 extra Newcastle shows in that time period. And uh, thank you all for listening, watching. We'll be back with you this weekend. See you soon. Ta-da. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.